podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, David, yes. uh, b- before we start, uh-huh. uh, unusual start, but I've got a wee present for you. All oh, right, okay. I was, I was feeling generous, and here, here you go. Oh, mate, that is absolutely fantastic. I, do you know what? I'm, I'm just, I, I'm overcome. That is so beautiful. Ah, yeah. What'd you do that for? Oh, I, I was just over exuberant. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar. I am your host, and I'm joined this week by the man himself, Mr. Scott Vandenacker. Hello. David didn't really strike me physically in the face. No. I kicked him in the balls. He wished he could have. He wished he could have, Mm. but he didn't. No. Um, No, so, yeah, one or two things to talk about. Um, And normally we would obviously start with the football, but I think the events this week have been... So dramatic and such a, a pivotal and uh, so much of a watershed that we'll go straight into obviously the disgrace that was the post match of the Hamden riot. I am going to now throw over to. I had a quick chat earlier with uh, our old friend Mark Dingwall, the editor of Follow Follow, about the scenes and the reaction. So we'll head over to that now. Joining me now is the editor of Follow Follow, Mark Dingwall. And before we get started, Mark, um, we've had to stop and, and start this about four times because of a low-flying aeroplane making too much noise. Do you think it's a drone being sent by the Scottish Government or the SFA for us? Well, I mean, why not just blame Celtic because we do that for everything, don't we? Yeah, pretty much. But the other thing about us is, is um, why would you need a drone on this show? We've already got Scott! Ka-ching. Well, there's a, a little bit of levity, but um, I want to talk to you, Mark, about the events of Saturday, which, you know, certainly a few of us feel is uh, the result of a bit of a, a generational thing in terms of portrayal of Rangers and the attitude that it's been almost made clear that it's okay to have about Rangers and Rangers supporters. Tell me, first of all, what what your take on the events were and the outcome and what you know what we've seen in the in the following days. Well, I think we've got to start off saying I've got no objections to anybody invading the pitch. You know, I mean, I've done it myself. Um, supported Rangers fans doing it. I mean, for instance, look, I mean, I've done it up at Pataudry, Tanner Dice when we when we went up there. So I don't, I don't have any objection to that. You know, saw the Real Madrid fans invading the pitch when when they won the European Cup at Hamden, so I don't have any problem with it, um, so long as it's joyous and celebratory. But I think you've got to say the number of Rangers players, you can't say it was one or two. Look at the number of Rangers players and staff. Then there's a real vitriol in what was involved with a lot of, a lot of Hibs fans. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a coincidence that it was accompanied by violence on that scale. And then obviously, you know, going up the far end and then challenging people to fight and then whinging about it when they got a fight. I mean, I think that's kind of um, symptomatic of uh, of a problem that Hibs have got rather than that we've got. What about the reaction in terms of the fact that nobody from the Scottish Government came out to criticise it until pretty much prodded to do so by the Rangers statement? The fact that Hibs took a number of days to make any comment uh, and still haven't apologised to Rangers. What was your take on that? 
when I started the fanzine way back in 88, I mean, one of the reasons why I started it was because the portrayal of Rangers fans in the media, even then, was not one which I recognised from following the club. And if you look even further back, I mean, people say, oh, it was 20 years in the neglect under David Murray, he didn't give a damn, dignified silence. Well, you can go back to people at Cyril Horn in the 1960s, Ian Apser in the 70s, where uh, people who are motivated by whatever reason, whether it was political, religious, social, or just sporting reasons, um, have had a free-fire zone for about 50 years, I would say, with a club. So a lot of these people are brought up with an image of, well, you can say and do whatever you want about Rangers fans. And so therefore, if Rangers fans had attacked Hibs fans, then forget um, forget a fine, forget not defending the cup, forget not representing Scotland in the um, in, in the European, uh, sorry, in the European field. It would simply be shut them down. Hmm. You know hmm. it, I know it, and they know it. And the cowardice and the media and from the politicians towards calling a spade a spade with regards to what happened on Saturday, the playing down of it, um, the whinging that Rangers dared to defend themselves is all symptomatic of Rangers allowing themselves to be a punch bag for, well, certainly over 20, and I would, say, I would argue for nearly 50, 50 years of not defending themselves. That's what it comes down to, because if any other set of fans uh, had, had, had behaved the way towards Rangers, I don't think they would have been the same... same uh, Sorry, I think there would have been the same kind of um, free-for-all, you know, just get on with it, what are you complaining about? It was, it was only exuberance. But if Rangers fans had behaved that way, then I think it would have been entirely different. In fact, I'm absolutely convinced of it. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's neglect, not just in recent years, but for a long, long time. Yeah, there's no way of arguing that this would have been the same had it been us. There's, there's simply, even people who hate us accept that, um, and what I think is particularly chilling about this is the level of whataboutery that's gone on, is about the, the strong undercurrent from a lot of sections of Scottish society of, ah, it was only Rangers. And it, it staggers me that players being attacked, if you'd said to me that, you know, that the fans would be one thing, but players being attacked, I thought, well, surely that would get the scales to drop from people's eyes and we could stop this pretend. But even that, even violence against players didn't engender a level of shock or a level of horror. There was still that undercurrent of, ah, well, it's only Rangers. And well, for me... that had to be dragged to I mean, well, yeah. the politicians or the media have had to be dragged to And, I mean, you can already see with what's going on on... Saturday night, if you have to, of the mishappens to listen to Cosgrove. Um, you know, basically what they're saying is, I bet they sang the Billy Boys. I bet they let off a flare. So, okay, so you let off a flare means you can attack basically the entire, entire team of the opposition. Also, we've had um, all these same people tend to have come round to the view that uh, the offensive behaviour bill is not a good bill because it's, you know, it's um, basically gives cops free throw, it's a shambles, it's put together badly. But now that virtually every major party, apart from the SNP, wants to reform it, and there are even people in the SNP that want to reform or, or, or uh, reform it, I take it away, suddenly it becomes, yeah, uh, but not where Rangers fans are concerned. So things that would be offences for Rangers fans, well, that's good enough, but we can't have the same 
kind of sanctions against fans of other clubs, they can get on with it. The Kelly fans, well, you know what? I listened to their to their playoff game on Sunday on the radio, and you know, basically for ninety minutes they were singing up to their knees in ear blood. Mm. <clears throat> but there's never a titter about that. So I think I think you've got to say, you know, football. We've seen the kind of almost like the nanny state brought into the into football, but once it starts affecting other teams other than Rangers, that's when the fight back against it started. Not until then. Once once you know there was even a little bit of even handedness been applied to say our friends at Parkhead or Aberdeen fans for singing about the Ibrox disaster, suddenly we can all that ah, but it's no sectarian, it's political or it's just rivalry. Well, you know, if you, if you want to say it's offensive, then it is offensive. Can I deem it to be offensive? You deem it to be offensive. Um, so you've got to take it so the fact the big problem with this is Rangers fans and for the first time in loving memory the club has really stood up and given um, you know, Civic Scotland both barrels whether that's the cops whether that's First Minister whether it's the SFA or whether it's another team and that's what they don't like because what they do enjoy is Rangers being a, um, a, you know, a punch bag and Rangers players and Rangers fans being punch bags in real life rather than just um, on the internet. So it's like, it's like all bullies enjoy dishing it out. Once they start to get a wee taste of their own medicine, uh, you know, all the excuses come in. One of the things that was apparent from the reaction to the Rangers statement, and you could you could pick holes on it, but I think that one of the one of the noticeable things was how dare they defend themselves and, you know, how dare they not just accept the role that we've given what I'm finding particularly sickening is the amount of people who are prejudiced, who assign me and assign you and assign other Rangers fans prejudices. They invent prejudices and tell us we have them to hide behind their own hatred. And that I'm sick of. I'm sick of being told by bigots that it's okay for them to hate me because I'm a bigot. And quite frankly, I'm not. Quite frankly, most people I know aren't. And I'm fed up with people searching for bad examples of Rangers' behaviour. Search for one tweet on the internet, search for one thing and use it as this is all of you. Now that is bigotry. When you're taking a whole group of people with all different beliefs and you're saying that you are all like this because I don't like you. People justifying their own hatred, Mark, by by saying that it's okay to hate us. And what we've now seen is is that it can end in violence and nobody's really that bothered. And in fact, the thing that most of them were bothered about, let's be honest, was when the Hibs fans ran down for a fight, some Rangers fans went to give them one. And as you say, um, there's no way, there is literally no way that if the Hibs fans don't run down to the Rangers fans, the Rangers fans run on the park. We also now have the situation where, as you say, it's okay to assault opposition players if you're over-exuberant. So if we win at Pitodre, where we haven't won in a number of years, um, and we didn't like one of the songs they were singing, which was another excuse, we're allowed to go on and lamp them. No, I don't think so. And nor would I want it to be that. But all we're asking is that you treat us the same way as you will everybody else. But, and this for me is key, it's not going to happen. It's too polarised. There's now We're now into a situation, and I'm glad to see the club finally recognised it the other night, where it's us and them. And we don't want it to be like that, but that's what they do. They are very, very much concerned with saying, we hate you, and we don't want to have any dialogue with you, we don't want you to improve. 
If you do change all the things we claim to hate about you, we'll invent dozens more and we've all heard what they can get up to with penny arcade sectarian because of a reason they've made up or the bouncy sectarian because of a reason they've made up. They'll always find ways to justify their hate. And now we need to draw a line in the sand and say, we're not dealing with bigots. It's as simple as that. We are not having you near us. We're not having people who are full of hate, who are so full of hate that they will accept violence to people just going about their work and we are not going to deal with people who are going to hide behind a veil of self-righteous hatred to justify the fact that they are prejudiced. What we've got to do over the summer, it's quite simple, is to keep the pressure on because what we don't want is the SMD to an independent body whose terms of reference, one, it will report too late so that Hibs still represent Scotland and Europe, or that um, they've dropped those terms of reference so that Rangers are drawn into this and given an equivalence so that Hibs will be fined and we'll be fined and we'll be fined a little bit less and the implication will be you're as bad as them. We have to keep that up in the media. Uh, it's too, too often a lot of our punters go, nah, well, we're beat, we're beat, we're beat. You know, that's the way it is and they throw their hands up and they give up because they're so used to being defeated. So what we need to do is to keep up that pressure so that it just becomes impossible for the SFA or the police or the media to to, to keep this pantomime going. We have to say, Hibs done nailed and they've got to be nailed to the cross in this one. OK, Scott, so I've, I've had my say and Mark's had his say. Um pretty much similar to what to what most Rangers fans are saying, I would think. But uh, what are your thoughts on the scenes that followed and what does it say about where we are in, in Scottish football and, and maybe Scotland in general at the moment? Well, I think, first of all, Mark hasn't seen that much pain, suffering and torment since the last time he was down in the basement. Correct. Um, but I think, obviously, I don't wish to... Well, I was going to say I don't wish to rehash old ground but that's pretty much what we've done for 125 pods mm. so I probably will rehash some, some old ground the, the worrying thing for me of course my wife summed it up well um, my wife is coming back to football folks after two kids and faffing about and maternity leave a lot and not paying any attention she decided to quite like football again right so she, she was watching with me in the aftermath and all the things she said quite simply why didn't they all just apologise to Rangers when it happened and we could all have moved on much quicker. Why did nobody think to apologise to Rangers? Well, that's the deeper issue. <clears throat> yep. As as Mark and I said, it's because the undercurrent is it's only Rangers and therefore you're allowed. And what we are seeing now is the consequences of 15 years of dehumanising the Rangers' support where you took away from Rangers fans being people, being individuals, and we became just this great seething mass, this uh, ugly invading force, this thing that you didn't have to think of as being made up by people, people that you work with, people that you live with. It's just they were the Rangers support and they were evil, they are bigots, they are scum. You don't need to treat them the way you would treat anybody else. The normal rules of decency don't apply to yep. these people. You can say what you want about them, you can treat them the way you want them. And the apotheosis of that is what we saw um, on, on Saturday where the first instinct of some Hibs fans 
The first instinct was not to celebrate 114 years of Hart coming to an end. The first instinct was to goad Rangers fans. Similarly, last season when we saw it with Motherwell, the first instinct was not to celebrate survival, it was to celebrate defeating Rangers. And they get away with it because they are allowed to get away with it. The country at the moment is in a place where it's very divided politically. And I think now that you're seeing further polarisation with the Rangers support. But with the, the statement, I think the club has finally grasped the fact that there's no point making appeals to these people anymore. There's no point. They've made up their mind. There's no disinterested bystanders who we need to present our case to. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we did everything that they asked us to do because they would then come up with a whole new set of rules that we're supposed to have. These people hate us. They're quite comfortable in their hate and they're quite comfortable in their prejudice. Now, how we respond is not, and this is not a call for all we need to be violent or any idiocy like that. I'm certainly not saying that. It's still football, and just because these people can't behave as normal, civilised, decent 21st century humans certainly doesn't mean we as Rangers fans shouldn't. So what we need to do moving forward is, Scottish football, fuck you. If we can make it difficult, we make it difficult. And by that I mean by ticketing, by that I mean hitting them financially, by that I mean anything we can do that fucks them over... Slightly big, small, it doesn't matter, we do it. And you just get difficult, you just develop the, the attitude. And so, for instance, the SFA are going to fine us, fuck them, right, we're not paying it. Oh, well, we'll take points off. You fucking take points off, as we won't count your league as counting anything then. Yeah. Or we'll, we'll ban you from that. Who gives a fuck? The whole point of it now needs to be we are this uncontrollable beast, and you are either playing nice with us or you can go fuck yourself. And that's a lot of F words, and I don't normally like to to go with that many in a show, but I think this situation deserved it. I think you went from no F-bombs to flattening a city. Yeah. Um, well, it's not us with flattening a city, no. I think. It was. The other thing I, I thought was intriguing about it was um, your Rangers players were attacked. Yeah, well, Manchester. And you're like, oh, right, right, sorry. So does that mean that from now on, Rangers fans can be goaded and you know all the rest of it. Does that mean from now on Rangers players are fair game? So basically what you're saying is this unacceptable thing that you bleat about constantly is acceptable when other people do it to us. Because well, exactly. that to me is hypocrisy. I mean, the discredited cretin, who we won't even give mention by name, um, but he gave his name to a section of the show, of course, mm. for many years. He tweeted that if you let smoke bombs off after a goal scored, what do you expect? Yeah. Now, I'm a, I'm not as clever as I'd like to be, David. Mm-hmm. But I've thought and thought about this. Equating throwing a smoke bomb after a second goal to players being attacked and kicked on the pitch, I don't get it. I just don't see how they're the same. Well, I, let's I can't go, let, see that. well, let's take it to its logical conclusion then, Scott. Next season, if we are playing, you know, I mentioned earlier Aberdeen because we know it will be quite a, a you know quite a fired up match if Aberdeen scored against us and let off a smoke bomb do we then get to go and wade into the Aberdeen team with impunity because that's the logical conclusion of that argument what they're saying is if you're excited then hell mend anyone that gets in your way and yeah and what I would do the first thing I would do I mean there's a lot of practical things the club has to look at and the club will be inundated with suggestions the club will also have to involve its lawyers in what's possible and there's no point in us in the show saying we demand but there are certain things you could do, a few good ideas that come out this week. See when we get a problem team like if we ever face Hibs in the Cup, mm. 
or Aberdeen or Celtic, just hire a thousand extra security and bill the way fans put it on their tickets. Mm-hmm. Just say, we've had to deploy more stewards than usual, it's gone up so your tickets are 60 quid. And see if they send them all back saying that's a pure disgrace for boycotting. Good. Good, yeah. The other thing is as well is we give them that section at the side. Don't no longer do this. Let's just put them into a tiny little bit. Let, let, let's just make, as I say, life as difficult as possible. Yes. Legally and fairly and with no violence. So for anyone listening oh. into this and getting angry, saying, no, oh, he's he's advocating this or that, I'm not. Anyone talking about things like civil disobedience, I'm certainly not, right? Because at the end of the day, it's still football, and we are still managing to have some perspective on this, right? We are still being able to see that people are human beings. We've been in the lower leagues, sorry, we've been in the lower leagues for four years. We've sold out every away game, every away game for four years, and we've never once managed to riot on a pitch. Yeah. Or punch anyone in the face. We can do it. If we can do it, if we can keep, after what was done to us four years ago, and we've responded, not at all. No, we haven't responded in the slightest. All we've done is buy tickets and turn up. And we demand that. As David says, we demand that right. It's just to go to a football match. And if not, we'll fight you back. We're the biggest team with the most fans. Let's see how you like it if it's open war. The thing about it is that we have to remember that not all of the Hibs fans who went in the pit... Look, I'm not upset that they had a pitch invasion, right? If they had ran on and danced about, no problem. It has been 114 years. It's a last-minute winner, and they deserved it. They were the better team. We'll come to that. But... There was Jason Holt was assaulted. Reports suggest fourteen seconds after the final whistle went. That's premeditated. That's a, that's you know. Of course. There, there are people pleading guilty already. As of Wednesday night, there are people in court pleading guilty to it. Now yeah. there are so many. The fact if, if the first words out of your mouth when you hear footballers were assaulted is I but. Right, you're a scumbag and you are full of hate and you have an agenda and no longer will we try and argue or reason or any of that with you we're just going to go, right, fine, you're a dick right, and we will try firstly to get our success on the football field where it's most important because that will sicken you most, but then anything else you want, it's just a straight no we have to stop, we demand you do this well, how about you go fuck yourself, alright, well we're upset that you do that well, that's a shame, but you were told a minute ago to go fuck yourself and I expect you to be off in a corner fucking yourself. We cannot allow ourselves to be dragged down to the level of violence and cretinism that we saw on Saturday, but nor can we pretend, and nor can anyone pretend incidentally, that this would have been the same had it if we reacted now. If after the semi-final... A Rangers, play, a Rangers fan had assaulted a Celtic player on the field, there would have been hell to pay. We, we, would, we would not have been allowed to play in the final. We would, oh God, oh my. And everybody knows it, and anyone who denies it is just so myopic and so myot- myopic and blinded by hate that their opinion is invalid. And we now have to move past it. Um, yeah. And it ties into so much festering dislike that's been allowed for so long and you know you mentioned earlier uh, a specific journalist but there are plenty of others who for years and years have dehumanised the Rangers support and now the chickens are coming home to roost if a single Rangers fan is hurt next season attacked going to a football match then you fuckers have got blood on your hands and you will never be allowed to forget it and now that the club appears to have grown a set at last um, Mm -hmm. we're in a position to fight it as I say fairly legally and civilly we'll fight it but Rangers should be Become, they hate us. We should become the most evil football club that you have ever seen. And everything you don't like about us, we are going to have in your faces. Because if you're going to act like this when not provoked, when you're winning, 
And if Scottish football is going to back that, then we'll give you something to hate. Absolutely. One, I mean, it's not over though. What I would say to, and I know journalists probably listen to this, and people, you know, they're obsessed with Rangers. Yeah. All the haters. You don't. You still get time. See if you're Hibernian FC or you're the SFA or you're Scottish politicians like the First Minister. You don't have to keep hiding behind protocol. You can say sorry. You are allowed to inquire after the health of the players who were assaulted. And you're allowed to say, you know something? That was bang out of order what happened to Rangers on Saturday after the final whistle. Mm. There's still time. The reason this is festering and the reason that podcasts like this are full of angry men ranting and the reason your lives are going to be made uncomfortable is because four days later, you're still refusing to accept what actually happened. Mm. You're still trying to contextualise you're still trying to find excuses and warm your way out. I'm sorry, police. Sorry, stewards. Rangers were done a disservice. They were let down and their players were assaulted in the pitch. I read these things out every week on the Sporting Integrity Awards about these wacky places around the world. Mm. Well, you know, that was Scotland. We watched it in front of us. Mm-hmm. People we know, my dad's at the game watching players get assaulted in the pitch. This isn't the third world, but you've still got time. Do the decent thing. Come out and say, do you know something? People should not get attacked on their way to work. The only people that have any credence here is, in fairness, the SPFA, mm. who came out on Sunday already and said, I remember should not be attacked in their place of work. It's an absolute disgrace. They were betrayed by the people who meant to look after them. Yeah. That's what we need more of. But from everyone, not the police saying we were marvellous and SFA saying we were wonderful. I'm sorry, no. It, Rangers need apologies. It's not too late. It makes me think, though, which I've thought for a while and I've said on here often enough, these people have got no interest in ending the, the things they claim to hate about us, such as the singing or whatever. They've got no interest in that whatsoever because if they had, then what they would do is come out and say, look, this has gone too far. We're, at, we're really sorry about this and this has to stop now. And turn around to us then after that and say, you know, you guys, right, okay, we accept there's fault on our side. You need to accept there's fault on your side and let's, you know, try and meet in the middle. And then you have to do that. Then yep. you're in a position. But when they turn around and, and as you say, say, no, nah, well, to be honest, you're just Rangers, you deserve it. Then it makes you think, oh, well, okay then. And, you know, we're a family and a family band together. And when their backs are against the wall, then there's only one direction that, that they can possibly push out in. So that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about this next season. I think it's going to get worse, and if it does, then it's down to the people in charge who can do something about it, refusing to do so. Scott, to the game. Yes. We were, do we have to? We were fucking awful. That was the biggest lot of shit I've seen, including some of the Ali McCoy's years. I've never seen a cluster fuck like that in a long time. It was bizarrely though. See if you're a regular listener to the pod, and if you've listened to David Nye's rants about the negative things of this season, all of them, all the things that we don't do well, imagine seeing all of them in the same game in the first four minutes. Mm. Everything that, that under Warburton and Weir that we don't do well was exacerbated and blown up, and the things that we did do well, we keep the ball moving fast, the quick interchanging, we saw none of them. Mm. So basically the, the balance, the seesaw, was tilted 100-0. And every single flaw that we have in terms of personnel, small squad, and the system were all exposed. And all of the advantages accrued from the new system we play, none of them could be seen. No. At the same time, in the same game, it's very hard to explain that. But we're going to have to for our army of listeners. See, I think that that's probably the most frustrating thing um, with what happened afterwards. Because people have, have said things like, oh, you know, you're just upset because you get beat. We weren't. Um, and most Rangers fans I know... 
in fact, every Rangers fan I've spoken to thinks we got cuffed. It was 3-2, but we were battered, and the better team walked away with the cup. And We would have turned in entirely on our own failings because it was down to really, really poor defending. It was down to not moving the ball quickly. It was down to... We didn't create chances. You know, we scored a wonder goal, uh, and, and, well, two really, because Miller's header was fantastic. But we didn't, you know, test our keeper. We certainly didn't have a lot of, a lot of possession in useful places. The, the, Tavernier's defending for the second goal was appalling. Kiernan's defending at the first goal was appalling, um, and the whole defence collectively for the the winning goal was appalling. And you know, the, absolutely no complaints. You know that that was rubbish. Um, I had said I had given them the benefit of the doubt after the cup semi final to say you know they've got one game and on it it hinges. If they turn up and play well, then you forget the bad performances. If they don't, then unfortunately you have to say the down tools. I will, in mitigation, say that I think it was less a case of downing tools as just this squad had gone as far as it could and it peaked after that and then it could not get anywhere close to the heights that it had been at. And I think that Warburton has managed to get as much out of that squad as was humanly possible um, yeah, we, we, we make mistakes, similar mistakes, but sometimes players aren't coachable, you know? Sometimes it's a lack of ability. I mean, you could have the... Jose Mourinho could coach certain players and they're not going to get better because they don't have the ability to do so. And I think that well, we saw yeah. on, on Saturday that there are just some players that aren't going to be able to come on the journey with us. There was some laziness. I think what's interesting is that the opposite ends of the spectrum. We were talking, but we were texting away on... Saturday, and there's two guys at the opposite ends of their careers, and funnily enough, they were the only two that followed instructions, weren't they? Mm. Kenny Miller and Gideon Zalolin. Mm. One's 18, one's 30, 36. And bizarrely, they were the only two who had any stomach for the fight, really, and who seemed to be following the instructions. Miller made his runs, dropped his marker, kept go- coming short, going long, and Zalolin kept the ball, kept it moving, kept spinning around, but there's no movement. So you two players. Danny Wilson came on to a bit of a game, but I can't decide whether Danny Wilson came on to a game or compared to the utter, utter atrocity exhibition going on around him yeah. was simply our best defender. It's hard to tell. Um, but yeah, we so we two players who the ones as you see listen to instructions. Zella Lim's got better in his last few games. Yeah, he has. Kenny Miller has had a really good season. A lot of them are going backwards. I think what what bothered me the most, and I don't know if this is a thing which. I mean, I've been watching football for years, David, so have you. Obviously, all around the globe, watching all sorts of things. Football can often be about confidence, because players and managers, football's a superstitious game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very much so. Very soon. And after the semi-final, there was a sort of feeling in Glasgow and wider, amongst the two sets of fans, that something... We weren't the favourites anymore, but something had tipped a little bit. Celtic fans were thinking, they're not shit. Mm-hmm. So I had a slight in the back foot. I had a few Celtic fans around the work saying, you know, they had a much bigger thing next season, a much bigger challenge next season than they ever thought. And a lot of it was like, we were cock-a-hoop and there's a really feel-good factor. I think the end to the season, domestically, and then the game on Saturday, apart from the Celtic, because even if you had the few games in March before the semi-final, the trajectory for many games now has been, it's been poor and getting worse. And I think a lot of this spring is going out the step a little bit and people are now thinking of the size of the challenge next season. And as you said, thinking about that squad, which people thought might have been up to the job, 
And now we're thinking major overhaul rather than tinkering. Mm. And I think it's taking some of the tarnish. You said this last week. If we don't win it, it will take the tarnish off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it has. I think a lot of fans now are, I wouldn't say worried about next season, but more worried than they were after the semi-final. And I think Celtic fans have regained a lot of their oomph. Yeah. And that psychological edge we had over them by beating them from a lower division and beating them with ease, I think it's been replaced by a lot of ill... I mean... You look at those last league games, take away the Celtic semi-final, you look at the whole run of league games in, through March, April and May, mm. almost all appalling. Yeah. And fans are thinking about that now, and as you say, that's what we're taking away from the season, sadly. And it shouldn't be. Of course no, it was a good season, we met all our objectives, yeah. but people are taking away from them the utterly appalling form, the lack of motivation, and some players literally have, like, Kieran, it's just as if he'd never played football before. Yeah, it, exactly, and I think that, that that goes back, as I see my point, that just maybe some players aren't going to cut it. However, um, you know, as you say, Celtic went on to a high with uh, the announcement of Brendan Rodgers as a manager. And look, I'm not going to sit here and try and kid anybody on. Yes, Brendan Rodgers is a bit of a fanny, and we've took the piss out of him on here many a time. And as I said on Twitter, that noise you heard was the sonic boom of Celtic supporters going to undo retweets from deluded Brendan. But he is a very good football coach um, and you know he, he has his flaws as, as a manager I think because sometimes he's one of these guys a bit like Pardew that sometimes his personality gets in the way um, but I think that you know in terms of what they could have got that was from the top draw and credit to them however um, I don't think it's time for us exactly to, to just fold the jackets away and, and surrender just yet we then Followed it up by uh, making a signing we discussed last week and we're going to discuss a little bit just now, which is uh, certainly uh, excited the Rangers support. Um, most of them, as we'll come to you in a minute. But when we signed Joey Barton, which, you know, again was a player you would have thought was beyond us in our current, in our current circumstances. And what I would say is, interestingly, and I'll give Brendan Rodgers is earning a lot of money. I don't know how much Joey Barton's earning, but it'll be reasonable. But I think both of them have come north for the challenge. And I think that that's quite interesting, quite intriguing. And again, if we, we ever get to the stage where this country actually focuses on football rather than attendant shite, um, then we'd look at that and say, well, then that is going to be quite an interesting battle next season between you know where the clubs are. Barton arrives, instantly becomes the best player in Scotland. You could maybe argue Lee Griffiths, but that is literally it. Um, and I'm sure Celtic are going to go and spend a bit of money this summer. I'm sure we are out there looking to, to unearth a few bargains. But with that signing, it, it has reinvigorated the support. And in fairness, the second sonic boom you heard this week was from Rangers fans going to undo retweets of things uh, about Joey Barton, that, or nasty tweets that they'd sent about Joey Barton in the past. May I also add that a certain guest tonight... I mean, your show mm-hmm. um, deleted many threads from his website. Yeah, I think yeah. that was just to keep you at a prison. To be fair, but well, maybe the um, the thing about um, Bartlett, I said last week that I thought the guy was an absolute zoomer, and uh, and I said I didn't want to be a hypocrite. Well, that was until he actually signed, and now I don't mind being a hypocrite. You know, and I'm now naming my firstborn Barton until he's pish. If he's pish, then. All of the stuff that I said previously comes back in. And you might be sitting there going, oh, David, you're a terrible hypocrite. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Well, you don't shy away from me a terrible hypocrite as long as you win in the end. Yep. So um, I will not say too much on the Joey Barton signing because I do not wish to spend time in prison. And you're on probation for 
some you know, serious offences. From the last stuff I said about yeah. Suffice to say, I do not think he's a suitable man to be wearing a jersey, but he's here now. What ifs? Um, that's, that, that's quite a healthy attitude. One thing I would say, Scott, is... They didn't, can I just say they didn't run it by me? They didn't run it by you. And, and so, you know, that, again, how many times now? To be honest, if you listen to the pod and they know how tactically spawn we are, you'd have thought they'd have come to us for a few ideas. Just yeah. saying, guys. Yeah, yeah we're, we're here. You know, we're here. You know. Yeah. Um, what I would say about um, Barton is that he's exactly the type of player that we need. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's a very good player. He's going to be a sideshow at points. There's just no getting away from it. Um, I'm sure that the Rangers social media guys are already bracing themselves for for some busy nights next season. Um, but he's also the type of player that our fans will adore. Um, they, they will really take him to their heart. What interested me was, see for, you know, again, we are supposed to be, I mentioned earlier about people inventing prejudices for us and projecting them onto us to justify their own prejudice. Um, see for us supposedly being obsessed with religion. It wasn't us that was mentioning Joey Barton's religion the other night, day, was it? It wasn't us tweeting them saying, how could you sign for them, Joey? You know. Um, well, no, in, in fairness, mainly at the press conference, it was uh, Sheila McLaren. Yeah. In, in fairness, who manages every range. I actually think, genuinely, she doesn't know where Lennox Town is. Yeah. She, she comes to Okinawa for the Celtic press conference. She's not sure why uh, the Celtic players aren't there. No. Who are these people in blue? Every Rangers, of the hoops anyway. You need to watch a Rangers press conference. If anyone hasn't, wonder what we're talking about. Sheila McLaren from Radio Clyde every week asks a question at a Rangers press conference about, about Celtic. Yeah, so it'll be things like, you know, you'll be sitting, Mark Warburton will be talking about his team for Saturday and she'll say something like, Celtic have got Lee Griffiths. You don't have a goal scorer like that. What's your thoughts on that? And you're like, seriously, what? him? You know? Um, and I'm not going to be all sexist about it because, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about how I, I am a, a lover of women. Um, you are? I am. I totally. We say love, it's... I, I have the music of Liz Fair on my iPod, you know. Well, you're basically a lesbian. I have several, yeah, I have, se- I have several Scud books full of them, so, um, yeah, pr- pretty much. But what I would say is, I need to stop saying that, you know, comfort phrases. Yeah. Just just, to, just sorry to take us in a wee journey. No, but next season, why don't we start the season determined not to repeat any of our sort of fallback St- sort of phrases that we always use. Well, you just did. You, you said sort of twice in the same sentence. I know, I say sort of all the time. I'll, I'll not say sort of. But you, you will. Say, uh, we'll try not to. Can we try for at least one minute of the first show? Yeah, okay, well, we'll try for the first minute. But to anyone who's listening to that, be really annoyed by me saying it. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm annoyed by me saying it. I don't know how to start a sentence now. now. All I can think of are those words. It's sort of difficult. I mean, uh, I'll just come up with another random word. So, custard. We aren't really that bothered. Similarly, when we signed John Daly, it wasn't us that were remotely bothered about him being Irish or Catholic. It doesn't matter. We just want them to be good at football. And if Joey Barton is good at football, he's going to be beloved up here. And I think... I've got to give credit to Rangers social media, though, um, to, to Rab, if you're listening, and to the other guys. I mean... The, they could have, you know, really kind of went to town on this, but they've been really low key about the Joey Barton sign and hardly, hardly any mention of it. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of was like Gaza Mania a little bit, but you know what? Fuck it, it's been a bad week and uh, that, that was a, a bit of good news on it. Also, in talks for 
uh, several players. There's not really a lot of points speculating, is there, until they're signed? Same, cause you the same folk as last week we talked about, Crenshaw and Dorans. Yeah. And neither's moved on anywhere. Nah, so, and, yeah. you know, come over the summer, we'll be doing a couple of pods. Well, guess what happened, though? Oh, oh David, I, I don't know if you're, you're one of your favourite. Uh, every summer, every January, mm. I know David loves this, folks. The thread started, I don't know if you're on, you might have left already from, from work. Mm. But the, why don't we bring back Vlad? Oh, for the vice? Yes. <sighs> Six years ago he was with us. Another thing started about why do we bring back Vlad Vice? Uh, do you know the, the thing is is that there are Rangers fans out there who will not rest until every single ex-player, including Andy Bruce and Eric Ferguson, uh, are brought back to Ibrox for a second spell. Uh, yeah. that, that's just it's, it's the way they are. It's deeply ingrained in, in our psyche. I don't understand it myself, but uh, there you are. On um, just a little throwaway note, just before we move on. Guess who was in my wife's shop? That's not a euphemism. Guess who was in my wife's... My wife has an antique shop in Glasgow, hence why I'm so ludicrously... Um, you know, why I've got so much money that I haven't earned, basically. Right? As Scott Terry, I'm an incredibly spoiled individual. Yes. Yeah. Um, she, she makes me go to work to contribute something, and then I spend all her money. Well, basically, the deal is, his wife goes to work at her expensive antique shop. Mm. Hoover's up the money she's taken... And go straight to bric-a-brac shops to buy David like, signed Brian Loudrop pictures. Yeah. And that's how the relationship works. My wife loves me very much. Well, she bribes you to stay with her. I don't blame her. I would if it was me. Well, exactly. You're quite a catch. I am, I am, I am a catch. But... Who was in her shop? Who was in her shop? Right, I'll guess, okay? I, I guarantee you won't get it. I'll give you two guesses and I guarantee you won't even get friggin' close to Philip Sebo. Nope. Um, wasn't a Rangers there's no Rangers connection but it's football something like this maybe okay um, remember antique shop in Glasgow and this happened this oh week. big fella uh, who invented the dub nope no it wasn't Dion Dublin because he does th- he does home shows now he does but it wasn't Dion Dublin it was Manuel Pellegrini Manuel Pellegrini <laughs> genuinely yes she's got photographic evidence he bought something from her shop she went there was a man in my shop today who apparently because you know he closely follows football uh, there was a man in my shop who's apparently something to do with football and I, I thought it would be a player or something I said oh okay was, was that a Rangers Celtic she, she said no no his name is like um, um, Manuel Palizio or something and I was like Manuel let me, let me see the photograph <laughs> and it was Manuel Pellegrini so the thing is, though, right, he's left. He's obviously not with Man City anymore, right? Mm. So who, who, and he's obviously, quite clearly, he's scouting Nicky Clark. But who for? <laughs> exactly. Who for? He's up to clinch a deal. But, so, uh, so. yeah, so Manuel Pellegrini was in and uh, bought a couple of items. Did right. he fondle her? Uh, the items or my wife? Your wife? Uh, not that I know of. Because if he'd fondled your wife and you'd fondled your wife, he'd sort of had a threesome with Pellegrini. Yeah, kind of. Like, um, kind of. You know, custard cousins. That's her cousin, yeah. Like uh, Ali McCoy's and Jim Kerr. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Poor old Patsy. Mm. Um, there's been a fair bit of, uh, speaking of which, I, I see political scandals. I see there was a bit of porridge stirring going on in the, the SNP. There was indeed. Um, it looks like, like um, she said yes. Mm. Twice. Twice, yeah. Um, vote often vote early. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuart, Hosey's all cut up about an upset. That's what, isn't it fantastic, That's... a guy called Hosey? Yes. <laughs> yeah, who whapped his hosey out. Yeah. Um, he was dis- depressed, distraught and ill. So good. Yeah. Very much, yeah. Um, well, why was the bird that ugly? No, she's actually all right. Yeah. She's no. actually all right. She's, she's quite hot. 
she's she's a stupid she called Serena. Ah, uh, she's a bit of a Sloan. She's a bit of a Sloney type. But she also thinks she calls the SNP the tartan jihadists. Well, so do you. Yeah. Yes, well, that's true, yeah. Yeah, you're not shagging anyone from the SNP front benches, are you? Because you would tell me that. I would tell you that, yeah, I would. I would have to disclose that if I could do the pod. To do the pod. Yeah, yeah. If it makes us disclose a, a list of personal interests. Yes, I do. Um, and to make sure that I'm not doing anything that goes against the pod's many, many rules. No, and, and th- that's the thing, you know, like, Say what you like about Scott, right? He he may be they do. A, a bit eccentric, right? He may have slightly eccentric views on football. He may avidly follow leagues that other people don't follow. He may not be able to pronounce the word suede correctly. He may like screaming banshee women who sound like they're having a period on an acoustic guitar. But say what you like about him, he turns up. Yes. You see, folks, it's, n- it's 90% perspiration, 10% inspiration. And if that's me, that would be inspiration. I made myself basically a vital part of heart and hand by simply being the only one that returns David Col- David's calls. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. No, absolutely. You're, you're the Nicky Clark of this of this team. Um, before we move on, Nicky Clark, uh, Nicky Law, Lesson. and Lesson. Uh, who was the other one? Uh, David Templeton. David Templeton. All being freed. Yeah. Um, which I quite like that term. It's one of these weird football terms. They've been freed, you know. So it's the kind of yeah. thing you would do with like a, a bug that you've nursed back to hell with a broken wing, which is kind of true in David Templeton's in David Templeton's yeah. case. Uh, a, any goodbye messages for them, or any thoughts on that? Just um, well, I'm hoping that when he got his severance sort of deal, Nicky didn't throw him because he'd pretty much failed to gather it and control it, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, it, no, I think. None of the substitutes this season, none of the, the squad members did anything to make anyone think that they should be in, in front of the guy that was there. Absolutely true. And that's all you can say. Yeah. None of the, they, no, they, they've, they've had the time. I'm glad they came. Nicky Clark said it himself. Delighted to play for Rangers. He's a fan. Loved it. Time to move on his career. Hmm. Yeah, that, and that, that, that's a good attitude yeah. to have. To be honest, Nicky Clark was probably quite lucky to have the opportunity to play yes. for Rangers. Um, Nicky Law might have because he'd done quite well at Motherwell, so you never know. Nicky, Nicky Law might have come in. I, I don't think would have been as prominent. Templeton should have worked for all Ali's faults and for all it was ridiculous to spend eight hundred and fifty grand on a player at the time. Although I understand why. It was to try and make us all feel good at a time we were really low. But Templeton should have worked. And the guy, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's very rich, but the, the people are saying, oh, he's going to go to England. I, I watch... You know, League One, League Two in England, and if he goes down there, he will be kicked out of the game in in minutes. He's far too fragile. I, I don't even mean injury prone. He's just far too small, and he's not skillful enough to to cope in those divisions. So where he goes from here, I genuinely don't know. No, he's had his chance at the big time. Yeah, and it's it's downhill for him. It'd be interesting to see what happens to Shields and Cami Bell. I think they'll keep Shields. I think Bell might go. Right. I've not been impressed by Shields I thought Saturday basically encapsulated him yeah I'm not massively impressed by him either I think he does alright as a sub but we're talking the championship however at every sort of time that Mark Warburton's listing when the gaffer's listing guys he considers to be really good senior pros it's he always includes Shields it's always Lee Wallace Kenny Miller Dean Shields so I suspect that he might you know offer him a year probably on 
reduced wages, well, undoubtedly on reduced wages. Yeah. So I think he might offer him a year to, to have the kind of steady and influence around the place um, next season. So I uh, could could be totally wrong, but that it wouldn't stun me. Is all I'm saying. I think we'll get. A, I think we need a keeper anyway. You know, and I don't mean a backup. I think we need um, a keeper to to go in and challenge. The thing about Wes is he's good with the ball at his feet. You know, people sometimes say, "Oh, he takes right." How many goals have we conceded because of him making a mistake with the ball at his feet? Very few, but he is prone to mistakes and. He doesn't make saves you wouldn't expect him to, if if that makes any sense. He yeah. does, yeah. He makes decent saves, and you go, well, that was a good save. But they're the saves that you'd be disappointed if if the shot beat him. And yeah. it's think, that level above that. Yeah, exactly. We need something better. <coughs> he's he's good, but he's not great. Yeah, that basically. And who know? You know, if we sign someone and he pushes him on to the next level, then it. If you sign a goalkeeper and a goalkeeper comes in and Fodderingham ups his game twenty percent and plays brilliantly, and this goalkeeper sits on the bench the whole season, people will say that signing was a failure. No, he wasn't. <laughs> you know, maybe individually, but for the team, it works. That that's the point of it. If it pushes on the, the level of competition, similarly with a right back, we need a. How weird is Tav? Because he's simultaneously one of our best players and one of our worst. He's probably one of our most potent attacking threats, and a totally hopeless right back. Mm. And it's just so bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's just the dichotomy. He's obviously, strangely enough, he's actually a right wing back in a system that in we a don't three, play. Five, two, yeah, it? yeah, it's bizarre. Really, he'd be a great three-five-two. Absolutely wonderful. Mm. Um, yeah, I think so. But he's just—I don't know what we're going to do. I think people are saying next season with Rossiter and Barton, we may be looking to four-two-three-one. And with that kind of defensive support, he that could be the answer. That could be yeah. him back to his potent best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, priorities then for the rest of the summer for me, Scott, um, and then we'll finish up just by you you giving us yours. Priorities for me would be striker, centre half, at least one centre half, and a goalkeeper. But in that order, um, well, not in that order. I'd, I'd want a centre half as soon as possible. Um, a striker, a goalkeeper, and then hopefully another centre half. Well, for me, the priorities would be a King Billy and his white horse statue built in Edison Drive, at least 30 foot tall. Every fucking year, Scott. Well, like, a man can dream. Every year, but the same answer. Well, okay then, a, a centre half. You promised the magistrate you wouldn't do it anymore. You I promised. Know. How boring. That's it, right? Okay, priorities for summer, right? Mm-hmm. To, have a, to have a good safe Euros, non-statue related. Right, a good safe Euro twenty sixteen mm-hmm. with no nasty business. Oh, I think we've all fears about that, about yeah, what might happen. Absolutely, hope just, just everybody like, goes and comes home. hundred percent. Also, hope for kids watching the tournaments of our youth. People, David and I's age wax lyrical, but genuinely, football was better then. I hope mm-hmm. there's a tournament the kids can latch onto. I hope we see attacking football at the four, and that. People, kids watch it and get totally astonished by what they're seeing about what football can do. That's what I hope. From my point of view, we need depth in the squad. What you saw on Saturday was we looked at the bench, there was nothing there. There was nothing there. Nothing. We need to look at the bench and any one of them could come on. That's it. I'd like to see a bit more tactical flexibility, like us to be able to bring a couple of players on, tweak a couple of things and give teams a different problem and for everyone to stay fit and healthy so that the whole squad's fit come August. Mm. And you can't ask for much more than that. And before we, we move on to the final sporting integrity of the season, 
can I just say, Hibs, congratulations and well done, but you're still going to Wraith next season. Yes. So, there you go. Um, okay then, uh, just time for a very, very quick last run at it, Scott. So, uh, get yourself uh, fluffed and we will conclude with uh, the last season Sporting Integrity Award. Scotia. Yes. The Sporting Integrity Award is when we look around the world of sport and see who's been exuberant. Yes, who's... 114 years of pent-up joy, which can only really be expressed through the art of punching people in the face. Yes. Um, well, I'm going to keep it brief, and I'm going to tie it into the Cammy Bell thing. What have you talked about? It's about goalkeepers. Goalkeepers, you say? Now, it's it's easy to laugh at Liverpool losing a final the other night. Especially for you, because you hate them. Yeah, it was very easy to laugh at Liverpool. But in goals is the divisive figure of Simon Mignolet. When I say divisive, mm. some Liverpool ex-pros who are now commentators try and give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a pro and they know him and maybe they meet him at Millwood and have a wee lark and all the fans hate him, right? Yes. That's the divide. And yesterday, Liverpool signed for £5 million from Mainz, Loris Karius. He's supposed to be German, pretty good. Shit hot. Is he? Right? Yeah, yeah. Scott, mm-hmm. I, I bow to Scott's superior knowledge of very few things, but Bundesliga is one of them. Loris, Loris Karius is, is arriving um, and Mignolet has obviously got a fight in his hands for number one jersey. However, Liverpool fans soon tweeted their opinions, David. Yes. And there's a few I'll share with you, okay? Okay. This is from Bishop, a bloke called Bishop, okay? John Bishop. Just, no, <laughs> he does do, don't he do? John Bishop. I just woke up to the fact that my goalkeeper might not be Mignolet or Bogdan. Right. Thomas Dyer. This can be important for us. Good goalkeepers can win you points. Mignolet has lost us about 16 a season. <laughs> Sam, Simon Mignolet, you're the worst goalkeeper ever. And if you think otherwise, you're wrong. He really is. <laughs> Anton, I asked a former professional goalkeeper why Carius could be better than Mignolet. He told me it's because his spine won't be made of vegan waffle batter. <laughs> <laughs> John O'Sullivan, I'm happy with this signing. To be honest, I've never seen him play or ever heard of him. He's just not Mignolet. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> Kwame, welcome to Liverpool Football Club. Just don't be anything like Mignolet. That's there you go, instruction straight and off the bat. My favourite, and it sums up modern football, it's my, the last one, David, from Ibuku Akara. Okay? Okay. Mignolet now has to step up his game. I know that because I know this keeper well from FIFA 16. <laughs> Superb. Superb. Liverpool fans have already made up their mind on who number one's going to be next season and it's anyone but Simon Mignolet. Yes. Well, the winner of the Sporting Integrity Award anyway was, was the size Rod Petrie. Yes. You know, I, uh, I think it was always going to be Rod Petrie. He but, might get to keep it. Oh, he might well do because uh, next season, you, you never know, he might come back with, uh, with a brand new one. Probably not. Think of the ideas. We've got, I mean, we've got so many ideas for new sections, new things, and we don't. You do did, it. and I wore you down by my point-blank refusal to consider them. Actually, folks, can I say before we go, this is true. See, the first the first shows, not obviously now, but I used to have ideas and ideas, and David would say to me, when are you going to understand? We'd have funny bit at the start. we talk a little bit about homosexuality, talk about the football. You'd tell funny stories about Bulgarians, and then we'd both go home. Yeah. This, and eventually now I agree, that is actually what suits me now as well. Yeah, Scott, Scott didn't grasp a couple of things sort of early on about this, that this pod is not for him. 
and it's not for the listeners it's oh. for me and that's pretty much it I, I mean I can't I can't really expand that I don't do it to in any way enrich anybody's life other than my own and therefore any ideas that people bring to the table are unwelcome yeah and usually summarily dismissed yeah just to, to, to kind of highlight the issue Scott and I were talking on uh, Sunday Scott was texting me about Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho and the announcement happening right after the cup final that uh, someone had leaked that Van Gaal was out uh, or Van Gaal was out and uh, Mourinho was in and Scott texts me and you went tell, tell the listeners what happened well, I was disgusted because obviously it's Van Gaal's one moment in the sun they'd won the cup he was still cavorting round Wembley when it was leaked and apparently it was leaked by Jose's own team who just couldn't stand obviously the thought of anything good at Man United that wasn't him all over it so I said to David isn't this a shame David said fuck it I would have done the same and that sums up the pod in yeah. its finery yeah pretty much Okay then, um, all that remains to do is to tell you how you can get in touch with us. Uh, as I pointed out, I mean, it's not that I read it, but you can do it if you so wish. You can go to Heart Hand, the Rangers podcast on Facebook, just search for that. Or you can follow us or talk to us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at IbroxRocks, R-O-C-K-S, and Scott is at Scott Heart Hand. So a nice simple one there. And uh, you'll be able to chat to us all through the summer about the Euros when we'll be on quite a lot. I've already taken the first two weeks off work um, for the Euros. And Sally said, oh, where are we going? And I said, I don't really know where you're going. I'm going in front of that telly at 2, 5 and 8 to watch the games. But, uh, yeah. you know, what? knock yourself out. <laughs> yes. just, just make sure there's enough food left for me. Yeah, go, go, I've got a coffee machine, I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. But um, you, can, you can follow us on there. And uh, as I say, we, we're going to be bit, we're going to do a couple of shows during the Euros. We might even try a live Facebook thing if Scott comes to visit, because obviously I won't be leaving the house. But uh, we, we, we're, we're thinking of doing a few things, and uh, you know we'll see how that goes. But we'll give you notifications of them when they happen. Uh, all that it means for me to do then is to thank our executive producer in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers. To thank my guest um, for all his contributions this season, especially this season, um, because stuff that we don't uh, that we don't broadcast, but it's it's been remarkable for Scott to come on here uh, in the weeks that he has and to be able to uh, bring a wee bit of humour and uh, bring a wee bit of joy. And, and all joking aside, mate, it's been fantastic, and it's it, I know it's appreciated by the listeners, and it's certainly appreciated. It's tonic to the troops. Yeah. It's actually helped. Being part of the Heart and Hand family has helped. Nah, good stuff, mate. Um, so that, that's pretty much us for, for this season. And uh, this summer, stay safe, stay staunch. See you next season. Bye. Podcast Network.